To stay on top in business, stay on top of your technology with the new Business Desk podcast, the business of tech. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Simon Barnett and James Daniels Afternoons podcast from Newstalk ZB. Nathan Wallace, as you know, is uh, such a good neuroscience educator and commentator. He's a much sought-after speaker on all things to do with the developing brain. He joins us regularly, and he's back with us again uh, this week. Nathan, very good afternoon, mate. Hi, Simon. Hi, James. How are you guys? Kia ora. Good, thanks. Good. Doing well. Hey, Nathan, let's go straight away into something a bit sort of heavy, but it's I think okay. it's so relevant. I was just talking with a with a mum the other day, and her child is addicted to drugs and all sorts of stuff, um, and yep. prescription drugs. Um, and right. it's the role of dopamine and the prefrontal cortex. I mean, ha- yeah. can you give us some understanding how it works? Well, basically, the prefrontal cortex is the really flash part of your brain, and that's what stops you getting addiction. You know, the emotional brain, which would like, you might say the prefrontal cortex is brain number four, but the emotional brain is brain number three. And it's the emotional brain that releases all the dopamine. Dopamine is the reward system. So anything that releases dopamine, you want to do again. You know, anything, right. any time in your life you feel good, it's because dopamine is there, you know, when you're buzzing. So um, basically addiction is the inability to engage the prefrontal cortex to regulate your Um, desirable behavior as in you know we might think oh having a couple of beers makes me feel good but we don't do it 24 7 because we have to engage our prefrontal cortex and say it's only okay to do that on a friday and saturday night or when i haven't got the kids and when i haven't got work we put boundaries around it addiction is basically the inability to put a boundaries around that and it feels good so i just want more and i want more and i want more Mm. that's basically what it is so it's really about engaging that prefrontal cortex a whole lot of that i mean some addiction there's evidence that it's genetic you get a, get a genetic predisposition but some of it's to do with the way that we raise kids too you know um, right. they, yeah so would would vaping would that release dopamine nathan yep yep absolutely it would yep and especially yeah. because it's the cool thing to do as well so in front of their friends it would release even more dopamine because they were looking cool mm. so how did they engage or they or anyone engage your prefrontal cortex well, I mean, there's three different styles of parenting. I think we've talked about them before. The brick wall style, the jellyfish style, and the backbone style. So brick wall, so shut up and do as you're told. A jellyfish style, has, a jellyfish has no spine, so that's a parent that wants to be their kid's friend and finds it difficult to put in place a boundary. And then the backbone style of parenting. A backbone gives you support and structure, but it's responsive and flexible. So basically, if I say to the kid, say that my 15-year-old wants to go to a party and it's the first time there's been alcohol there. And if I just say, right, you're taking two stubbies, that's the brick wall style, because he doesn't get any say in it, his opinion's not asked for, mm. he's just told, told what to do. That gets the worst outcomes, or the more most likely to develop addiction, because that kid's never practicing self-control. He's never having to weigh up the consequences and the outcomes, because he doesn't have to. He only has to shut up and do as he's told. So he's never practicing that stuff. Whereas if you said to the kid, okay, this is the first time you've been to a party with alcohol, how many studies do you think is appropriate? The kid's got to engage his frontal cortex to come up with a number. He's actually got to go a step further than that, and he probably knows you'll kind of negotiate, so he has to come up with a number and then probably add a couple on so he's got negotiation room. But all of that is basically um, engaging his frontal cortex and involving him in the decision-making process. So, you know, yeah. And those kids who have been involved in the decision-making process, and the parents continue to have boundaries. It's quite hard to give them boundaries at 17 and 18. But if your kid's allowed to just go out and drink as much as he wants at 14, 15, 16, 17, um, there's no limits on that. There's no consequences. There's no one saying, hey, don't you think that was a bit excessive last night? 
and they don't put mm. any boundaries on it, and that's a pre-addiction to it too. That's a, a precursor to addiction because they're doing something in an unmoderated way. And that might be relatively Man. normal for a teenager because our frontal cortex is shut for renovations. But if that's happening all the time, you're not learning to engage that prefrontal cortex. And you can get to 18 and just can only do the things that you want to do and can't do any of the things that you know are good for you, but you don't want to. Yeah, man, that's a great phrase, shut for renovations, mm. the prefrontal cortex mm. for teenagers. Nathan, we've got uh, Brian on the line who has a question. Hi, Brian. Hello, how are you going? Good, thank you. Nathan, standing by. Hi, um, I'm currently dealing with like an out-of-control eight-year-old. She seems like overnight she kind of snapped, and now she has blinding rage, really, I guess you could call it. Okay, right, okay. And it's pretty much she's an angel at school, comes home at night, eats dinner, then when it's time to go to bed, all of a sudden she, yeah, pretty much says no, doesn't want to try, won't lay down, won't even read a book or play before she goes to bed. Okay. And pretty much it's in such a blind rage, you can't even talk to her, like, talk to, right. to her, really. Mm, that's okay. scary. That is scary. I mean, oftentimes when something like this happens, something traumatic could have happened to her. It doesn't mean that you will interpret it as traumatic because trauma is very much how it impacts on you. It's not if it was incidental. But if she found it to be traumatic, then something could have happened that's made her suddenly change. It could just be a pre-adolescent hormonal burst. But I mean, either way, I think she needs to communicate. She's not communicating and she's saying nothing until she just blows up and is completely unreasonable. You want to move her from having an on-off switch to having a dimmer switch. So mm. she's... If she's getting angry, she can say and express that. So, I mean, I always advocate this thing called a mate date. You heard me talk about mate dates before, where you give your kid 10 minutes yeah. a week, where, where you basically give them 10 minutes a week where you give up being the parent and you give up all the rules and they're, they, they're the parent for 10 minutes. They're allowed to make all the rules. They're allowed to say whatever they want. It's no consequence. Yeah. You make it at a predictable time every week, just for 10 minutes. And when you have to actually shut up for 10 minutes, the kid does start talking. To, hey, can I jump in there, that. Nathan? Can yeah, I yeah, jump in there, yeah. Nathan? So when is it, if the, I love the idea, and Brian, I think that would resonate with you, the mate date, so 10 minutes, and but you said no consequences. So let's just say a 15-year-old says, hey, Dad, I stole a car at the weekend, and we crashed it, and I did a runner, and yep. they tell you that in your mate date. Do, do, you, do you, you don't give them a consequence for that because they've been honest enough to tell you? Do you just work no, through the resolution? You everything you can. You work everything you can to resolve it and make them take the consequences of that action. Um, because they've been honest and upfront with you, that's different from you find out because the police knock on the door. So then you just move into helping like mode. Because the important thing is that you've found out that your child is doing that. So you'll know to pull the reins in. You'll know to be watching a whole lot closer. And that's the important thing, not punishing them. Um, the important thing is to make sure they don't, that doesn't happen again. So you make that kid follow through on the consequences of having stolen that car. You know, I really would love that work, Brian? Do you reckon? Sorry? Brian, would that work for you, Brian? Would you, to have a uh, 10, 10 minute time with your eight year old? Uh, we have ten minutes every night with her. More than that, we sit down and talk to them every night and have try to create an atmosphere that's relaxing. But it's just. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, she I was fine to... one night. Then yep. the next night, it's just I don't want to go to bed. You can't tell me what to yep. do. And yep. now it's gotten to be physically, physically and verbally abusive. Yeah. Wow. It still sounds like she's not being heard because we all make time for our kids and spend ten minutes every night. You know, when we go to bed and stuff. But it's not the same as a mate date. 
Because in that 10 minutes, you're still saying the parent and you're still telling, you're still probably correcting her and telling her how she's allowed to speak. And um, mm. you still no, no, we ask her what we ask her everything. What's wrong? You tell it. What's what are you feeling? Like, just yeah, say it out. Like, I don't care if charge. I get swear, swear it's hard words. Hard it's hard for me to explain in 10 minutes, but by you saying to her, what are you feeling? That's you taking charge. You're asking her what she's feeling. That's different from shutting up for 10 minutes and not even allowed to ask a question. Because for that whole 10 minutes, she owns you and she's completely in charge. If she wants you to lie on your back and suck a bottle for 10 minutes, you have to do it. Like, it's about putting her in charge so that she owns that 10 minutes because then kids open up and tell you stuff that they don't just they don't tell you when you just say, talk to me. You have to create the environment. I really like it. Brian, hopefully that helps, mate. It sounds like a very tough situation. Thank you for calling. Sign James, I love this guy, Nathan Wallace. He should be on every day. Well, he does it for free, so I'm I'm not sure about that. (laughs) Can you come on every day, Nathan, for nothing? We'll give you a chocolate fish on a Friday hour, mate. Well, well, we love having you on. Uh, Joseph has given us a buzz too with a question. Hi, Joseph. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, gotcha. Nathan's listening in. All right. I have a 12-year-old brother who acts absolutely horrible to the whole family and mum tries to control him and when he only stops when well he doesn't stop mum might be screaming at him like so mad and he's just still like mocking her and we just can't get him under control do you have any help for that what a good question okay. Joseph oh yeah I mean that's uh, well, can I ask where his dad is? Where's his dad when that's happening? Oh, dad is, he's at home, but he's like usually very busy, busy on business calls and things. Okay, yep. Oh. What, uh, is, the son, is your brother like that to, to his father? Um, sometimes, but he'll like chase him, him down and threaten to hit him. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Um, yeah, sounds like your brother's um, wildly out of control. Has your brother expressed anything about what he thinks the problem is? You know, why no, he's acting he that just, way? He, he just keeps acting yeah. up. Yeah, he's, just, he's lacking a clear boundary. He either needs, I mean, I don't know if you heard the last caller, but we talked about a mate date where you have um, 10 yeah. minutes a week where he can fully express himself because if you find out what is going on in his head, I think that will be 90% of you working out what the problem is. Sometimes, though, it is just that they need a boundary at this age. And if mum's not that capable of putting in place a boundary, because mum's often the nurturer, and she's trying to get through it and be understanding and nurture him through, which is good stuff, but he also needs a boundary that says, this is too much, and this is the consequence. So I think the only thing I can recommend, mate, is that um, maybe his mum and dad, and not you, because it's hard to have a sibling telling you what to do. It feels like everyone's ganging up on you. So I would have mum and dad, and... um, Maybe his grandparents or something, someone or his favourite auntie or his favourite uncle or people that he likes, so he knows it's not a disciplinary thing. It's a right. meeting about a meeting about his well-being, and have them all there. But he basically needs to be told, "Here's the boundary." Like you said, I think you said that he tries to hit your father or hit his mother. Something like that yeah. needs to be told. This is the boundary. You're not allowed to do that. If you do that, this is the consequence. Like the difference between punishment and consequence. Punishment comes at you, and you didn't know it was going to happen. You can do exactly the same thing, but if you planned before and said, if you do this, this will happen, then it's a consequence. Mm. He oh. absolutely, and you've you got to follow punish. through, right? Yeah, you shouldn't punish, but you absolutely need consequences. He needs them himself. He needs to know that it's not good for him to be hitting his parents. You know, It's not good for his future. 
It's not good for his um, sense of self-control and who he's going to be as an adult. He's just crying out for a boundary, but I think Dad might have to step up there. It sounds like Dad's got a wee bit more of a boundaries there, but do it in, a, mm. in that sort of consequence way, not an authoritative, you better bloody behave yourself or you'll get it. That's not going to work. It needs to be sat down with them and said, what's the problem? You know, you need to tell us what the problem is so we can fix it. Um, even if you're not going to tell us what the problem is, there is a boundary to your behaviour and you're not allowed to do this. And we need to come up with an agreement for mm. what's going to happen when you do that. Because I just wouldn't tolerate my child hitting, hitting their mother or hitting me. That would happen once. And then there'd be serious consequences of, right, we need to look at boarding school, going to live with your mean auntie. You know, something major's got to change. Because if you're thinking it's okay to hit your parents, if you're thinking it's okay to hit mm-hmm. your parents, things are not working here. So where else yeah, do you want to be? That's good. Yeah. That's a good answer. Joseph, how old are you? Uh, I'm recently 16. Oh, good You're man. a good brother. Yeah. You're a good brother. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for He's calling him. Is there any yeah. way to stop him when he keeps like just pushing? Like, Yeah, I think not- there's no way to absolutely stop him. But what will help is if you validate the emotion behind what he's feeling. So if he's pushing and going, in, 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 instead of going, stop doing that or stop being argumentative, if you say, I realise you're really frustrated or I realise that's making you angry. When you name their emotion, that does tend to calm them down a bit. So there's no silver bullet. But in those moments, we tend to say, look, calm down. You know, stop being stupid. That doesn't help. You need to say, I realise you're angry. I realise you're frustrated. And that will help him to calm down a bit because he'll feel like he's been listened to. Joseph, I hope that helps. Thank you for calling. All right, thank you. Hey, hey, uh, well, uh, Nathan. Yeah. What if on those mate dates, the 12-year-old said, I want to drive the car? Um, Then he's not allowed to because it's illegal. So right. he's not allowed okay. to, he's, he's not allowed, unless you're on a farm, you know, if you're on a farm, yeah. then you let yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Right? okay. Um, All right. yeah. But he's no, not allowed to do you, and he's not allowed, it's not allowed to be illegal. Okay, cool. Mm, Mate, yeah. you've been so brilliant. Look, we've, we only got through two calls because they were kind of hairy calls, but brilliantly yeah. answered. Mm. But we, we've literally got less than 60 seconds, so this is a tough ask. But there is a text saying, yeah. in light of this terrible tragedy in Wellington today, Nathan, PTSD so will be very real. Is there anything that yeah. you could advise for people suffering? 30 seconds, sorry. Yeah, anyone um, reach out, use the networks that are there. Your friends and your family, when they're saying, I'm here if I need you, they really, really mean it. And it does help you so much when you reach out to them. Don't be alone. Most people are pleased that you ring them at 3 o'clock in the morning to say, I don't know what to say, I just want someone to talk to. They love it that you're letting them help. They want to be able to do something. So use the networks that are offered to you shamelessly. Just use them all. Genuine gold, mate. Thank you very much. For more from Simon Barnett and James Daniels Afternoons, listen live to News Talk ZB or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.